Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. Happy National Cat Day, gentlemen. I know I just saw Xena waltz into your room, Mark, but it's not her day. It's the kitties' days, and throughout this episode... I will try and end every time I speak with a famous cat. So I will start it off with Garfield. Jesus, he's already at Garfield, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a short list as far. Hey man, as this I is a democracy. Call. How do we feel about Mike just turning our podcast into the Cat Hour? What what's going on here? He can he can have his own gimmicks and gimmicks and bits if he wants. And, yeah. and you know what? If you don't like the episode, you can always go and take a cat nap. I think Mike just wants to draw people away from the fact that he's picking worse than Chalk. I, I don't I mean, know what I, you're talking about, Bobby. I am the cat's meow when it comes to picking. I went two and one this week. I was going to say, like, if Mike wants to do cat puns, I think there's a lot more uh, meat on the bone there than just naming famous cats. That's because Mike has yet to name yeah, one other one. Mike just ran it through his head to famous cats, and his list is three. I think that's what he, he wanted back to love into a corner. I don't appreciate these attacks here i am not your scratching post if i okay, if i say no, these puns are great these puns are excellent this. yeah to um, i'm gonna go ahead and put it out there so mike can't use normal the other cat in garfield so that's one less mike um <laughs> la- ladies and gentlemen <laughs> um we're real uh interesting card we had last weekend all finishes um some of them of consequence many of them not um we learned something about Jeff Neal. We learned something about uh, Jamal Hill. Um, we learned that there's an ultimate fighter still and that me picking against a jacked Usman brother is financially questionable. Um, let's get into it, though. Jamal Hill and Tiago Santos went f- uh, went four of five rounds needed. Um, Hill with the TKO, punches and elbows. Marcus... Um, I think I learned a lot, honestly, about Tiago Santos in this one. Because I'm not sure in my head, I, I might have thought he was more shop-worn than he is. And I just don't think he is. I just He can't necessarily beat somebody this good. But there's still some fight in Tiago Santos. He's not the contender he was before, but I don't know. There was still something there. He was there the whole time. I was, you know, I was impressed with that. And then Jamal Hill, though. Woo! The division's got somebody there. What'd you think of the fight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good fight. Um, definitely interesting for Hill's first five-round fight, and I think he was contested in a lot of areas. I thought he showed some good strengths in some areas, and, and honestly, in something that he said himself, like it was not a great performance by him. It was not a performance where he was steadily winning, but we did see some some moments and some aspects of his game that have gotten better, and I think if they continue to mature and grow, can really be something he can utilize throughout the rest of his career. And I think... You know, his length and his jab are something that I feel if he continues to develop are going to be 
big issues for a lot of people. It was for Santos. Santos had a hard time on the outside. Um, and it was really to do with that jab, especially when, you know, he wasn't really loading up with it too much when it was just a nice, quick, strong, straight jab. He was landing successfully. He was able to use that to land uh, good left straights off of it. And, you know, Santos struggling on the outside, you know, eventually tried to negate a lot of that with his grappling attempted more attempted and got more takedowns than he has in any other fight wasn't really able to utilize those to much of his advantage he was never able to keep hill down for any you know extended period of time but was able to eat up a lot of the clock um control a lot of the rounds and in these rounds where there wasn't a lot of damage you know going between the two of them maybe got around maybe in the third round i think he was able to you know kind of use that grappling a bit more to negate a lot of the striking maybe pulled that out but i also think it, it gassed him too I think it's a lot of energy when you're going for singles and doubles and trying to do big dumps on a big heavy guy like Jamal Hill, who is also doing a good job defending with Wizards. And like I mentioned before, was able to get right up. So I think when we got around to that fourth round, I mean, it definitely looked like Santos was getting more fatigued when he was getting hit. He seemed to be stumbling around a lot more. Um, and, and it was, you know, a nice hard jab that ultimately led to the, uh, the finishing sequence of the ground and pound. Yeah, big win for the kid, um, Mike, and uh, Jamal Hill, only 31, not older than I thought he was, but still, um, only 13 pro fights. I don't want to be critical, really, of him, or hypercritical at all, but a thing with Jamal Hill I've noticed in uh, this fight, uh, the beginning, I mean, as this part became more crystal to me, is that if we just keep a fight standing, um, there's nobody in this weight class he can't beat. However, I find he doesn't really have a, a B game. And in the sense that I'm talking about his grappling, it is entirely defensive. So I'm a little worried about him when he goes up and he takes on someone like, I'm looking at who's like next because these are the rankings. I mean, he, he just beat number six. Number five, Anthony Smith. That's that's not happening. The guy broke his ankle. Um, Alexander Rakic. He can beat Alexander Rakic. Magomed Ankalaev. That's the one. Will beat his ass if he gets on top of him. Okay. Jan Blockowitz, these other people, I mean, Tiago Santos is a good, like, he's a good grappler in the sense, I think he's got a black belt and stuff, right? Jan will just get on top of you. Um, so I think Jamal's got to be a little bit, I don't know, I'm, I'm not saying he's like, something went wrong necessarily, but I'm, 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 tr I'm trying to dance around this a little bit, but like. Yeah, you're, you're trying not to shit on him. But, he, but he didn't do anything wrong necessarily. He might have some holes, Heathcliff. Yeah, it's not so much this fight I'm looking at as much as the future. Okay, Heathcliff, Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus, that was terrible. Are there going to uh, be any non-cartoon? That's what on I'm thinking. Is at all animated drawing? I can think. Of, I can think of some. Yeah, all right. I look forward to them. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, like, I think there's like, I think I'm just came out of this with like being truly impressed with the stand-up, and just I have a lot of questions about like what's going to happen when he runs into somebody who forces him to do a little bit more on the ground. You know? Yeah, definitely. But I think. I think what we're thinking here is that we haven't exactly seen what he can do when he faces a wrestler. And I think that's normally the case when you have someone that before this fight, he was ranked number 10. He'll be right outside of the top five, most likely. Uh, before this, he his competition probably wasn't the highest echelons of the, the UFC. Um, I'm going to take a more um optimistic view when when it comes to jamal hill and say that maybe we just haven't seen what he can do on, on the ground 
Um, maybe he has more than just a defensive game, which it was it was okay against uh, against against Santos. Santos isn't a world beater. I mean, I'm sitting um, here honestly thinking about because I remember his fight with Paul Craig, right? And that didn't go great. But I'm not sure how much stock, you know, like Marcus, I don't know how much stock to put into like getting Paul Craigd. You know, it was only two minutes in. There was the whole thing where he was like, he might have broken. I look like his like was broken his arm in an arm bar, maybe at somewhere in there. Like it was a ground battle that he did not go well for him. Um, so I'm not sure how much stock to put into that one. I don't know. I'm just, you know, maybe I should just enjoy this win and just wonder. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm just trying to forecast ahead where I see this guy. Like, do you think we see a champion here? I mean, I, I think he has obviously the physical traits to be very difficult challenge for a lot of people. And I think if he utilizes these skills more, I mean, what I like about him is his physique of being like, I think, 6'4". I don't know what his wingspan is or anything, but like 79. it kind of reminded me, me of John Jones. I don't remember what John Jones was, but like what John always lacked was a good distance game. He did not have a good jab. And Jamal Hill showed a really good job. So I think if he continues to utilize these skills more and get better and really be able to control and be more dangerous on the outside, I think, you know, he does have a bright future, but he was critical of his performance. And I think rightfully so there are a lot of room, a lot of areas in the game that he needs to improve upon because there are going to be guys in these top five that are going to be able to expose that. I think when you go up against a guy like uh, Santos and he's able to control so much of the fight in the clinch, taking you down and i mean to hill's credit you know he didn't tire it definitely seemed like those wrestling exchanges gassed santos out a lot more than it did him he was able to get up he never was on his back for any extended amount of time at all but he was able to get taken down right so i think when you look at some of the other guys in the division like if a glover gets him down that's going to be big trouble um uh sorry what maga megdi i can't remember how to say his name it's not in front of me i cannot pronounce it Ankalaev? Please correct me, Bobby. Yes. Oh, I, I mean, wasn't sure you meant. Sorry, Ankalaev. <laughs> yeah, so like the guys that are really good at wrestling are going to be able to take him down, potentially and probably be able to hold him down a bit more than, than Santos. And those are going to be a problem. And then, like you said, like his stand-up is good. It was not so polished in this fight where it made me think like, oh, he, I, like you said, I think he can beat anyone standing. I think he's absolutely capable of it. I don't think it's a lock. Like a guy like Ratchet, who has really strong kicks, because that was something Santos did really well in this fight when he started utilizing his kicks. He had more success. He was able to find places on the outside where he was able to be somewhat successful. Um, but obviously, like, Hill's jab was on point for this entire fight. So I think that's something if he continues to, you know, get better at and can expose other people, that's going to be a major weapon. So I, I think there is a bright future for him, but it's going to be interesting to see how he stacks up with the, the higher echelon guys. I'm trying there, to figure out who his teammate. Sorry, Mike. I was trying to figure out who his team is. Because it's just like Wikipedia just says black line jujitsu and Sheridog says that too. And there's exactly one person who fights out of that team according to that. But he's not on that website. It just kind of seems like, I mean, this is an article from, ah, it's only like a day or so old. He's got a real interesting group of just dudes he's training with. And not to speak that they're, you know, not capable. You know, everybody's got to start, their team has to start somewhere. But I'm reading like, um... Chad Pomeroy, Johnny Grigware, Justin Andrews make up Team Hill. Pomeroy is his head coach and main sparring partner. Like, I don't know. I wonder. That's one of those things also. Like, I didn't recognize anybody in his corner at all. So that might mean something that might not mean anything. Mike, you were saying something, though? No, it could mean that this is maybe the start of a team that's just starting out. Mm -hmm. But the other thing when it comes to him is sometimes, I, granted, in today's MMA, 
pretty much have to be good and everything. But who knows? He is his his stand up is extremely good. It's extremely crisp. And if his stand up is heads heads and shoulders better than a lot of the people at two oh five, and he's at least able to have a defensive wrestling where he can keep it standing, he can make some noise. Felix the cat. Um Jesus, this is interesting. Co main event. Um I'm I think more than the rest of us, I've been I kind of talked up Jeff Neal a little bit. I think I have over the years. Not patting myself on the back here, but I think I bring him up more often than not about being a good fighter. Um, that's the best he's ever looked, guys. I Not that I didn't think he could win. I remember telling Mark, like, when we were making picks, I'm like, that one's tough. Because I know Jeff Neal's a good fighter. And especially because Luke's general trajectory has always been like, when he loses, he, like, he's only in this recent stretch. He loses a fight, right? Then he goes down a few steps and fights somebody a little bit lower, gets back on track, gets another win streak together. You know what I mean? He hasn't gone back-to-back losses ever. And uh, that was a risk for him to take that fight, Marcus. And because um, I think he was ranked... I'm not sure if it's changed. Let me see if it was changed. Yeah, he was six. And that was number 13. Taking a fight like that. And God bless him for taking it. But that went as bad as possible for Vicente Luque. Yeah, um, I mean, we usually think of Luke as being one of the stronger stand-up fighters, mm. uh, especially when it comes to action fights. When it comes to a war, we've seen him take a lot of shots, and this could just be, you know, an accumulation of having a lot of these fights where he's giving as good as he's taking, and he's be- he's been able to withstand that kind of punishment and come back and, and win the fights. And in this fight, like you said, Jeff Neal looked amazing, easily his best performance of his career. And it started early, you know, he was the one to really connect first with a good left straight. That punch continued to connect throughout the rest of the fight. I think Luque looked pretty good in the second round. I think that was probably the closest round of the three they had, and obviously he finished it in the third. But And I think it was really when he started to utilize more of his striking arsenal there. He was throwing kicks more, he was going to the body, and Jeff Neal was really focused just boxing and on the head, and he looked great in southpaw. I mean, his jab was on point, and obviously that left straight, he found a home for it again and again. I thought the first round was a 10-8. I don't, you know, I, I think Bisping was talking about, oh, it's close. I mean, when he knocked that the guy down 10, and That was a 10-8. Him, what? I, yeah, love I don't know. I think Bisping's a good commentator, but he said that, and I'm like, Mike, Mike, come on, bro. That's a 10-8. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a great fight, a fantastic performance for Jeff. You know, I think this really shows a good trajectory for him because he had come off a couple losses where it seemed like, you know, we didn't really know quite where the, the skill cap was for him, but he looked better than ever in this fight. And, you know, against a really tough, durable opponent um, and to Luke's credit, you know, he kept going. Like he took a lot of punishment. He never really wilted until, you know, he got hurt bad. And then Jeff Neal threw. He, he rallied threw in the middle he, there. I was actually feeling okay he, for a moment. I'm like, Oh, Luke's well, Luke's happening here. The whole Luke thing is happening, and then yeah, that that second round, yeah. he uh, he caught a second win, Tom. <laughs> yeah, no, he did, and, and, and it it did seem like maybe the pendulum was swinging swinging back in his favor, but you know, Neil just he he really stuck to his p's and q's on this one, and he knew he had a home for that left straight, and he was able to utilize that well, stunned Luke multiple times, um, was able to close the show. I mean, my only criticism we talked about it, Bob, during work. Um, you know, he had a couple times against the cage. He had Luke hurt. He was, you know, just covering up and he was really headhunting. I, I mean, being Southpaw, I really think his, you know, his whole coaching staff should really utilize like, look at 
the head's a great target when you're fighting someone in orthodox the the left straight's going to be there for you but like that's also your power shot to the liver like if someone's just covering up their head mix it up and i mean look we, we saw it in the um brandon Moreno fight you know it was a liver kick that i mean the liver's another chin you know and when when a dude's covering his dome he's leaving open a vital spot for you to tee off on and not only finish the fight by going to the body, but bringing that guard back down, you can go back to the head and still instead Jeff Neal's like, I'm going to throw fucking eight uppercuts in a row. And one of these has got to <laughs> drop the dot guy. And while the uppercuts didn't, you know, he was able to then find a home for the left straight after that and, and finish the fight. So yeah, a fantastic performance um, and easily the biggest one of his career. So let's see where he goes from here. Uh, Jeff Neal worked as a server at Texas roadhouse for 10 years until his fight with Mike Perry in late 2019. You guys are asking yourself, how many UFC fights in was that? The answer was five. And just when you thought, oh, it's okay, Neil's getting paid now. Um, in June 2020, Jeff Neil revealed he had returned to his job as a server after failing to get a fight scheduled. Way to go, UFC. Jesus, how how little was he earning from his UFC contract? Well, he had, one, he had one fight um, in December 2019. He didn't have another fight until Stephen Thompson... By the way, he couldn't get a fight booked, and he was on a uh, seven-fight win streak when that happened. And it took him a year to get a fight booked, in which he got half his paycheck because, you know, he lost to Wonderboy Thompson in a five-round decision. Definitely means you deserve half your paycheck, right? You go, you go 25 minutes with one of the best kickboxers in the sport? Yeah. Um, other notable things. Uh, Muhammad Usman just fucked up my parlay. Um that saved was saved by parlay. Was that a like short left hook or was it like he got him with like a little short left hook, right? Was that what it was, Mike? He no, um, was it, it a, looked like he just caught him with with a jab. It looked like oh, was that just me um, lying to myself to feel better? Yeah, no, okay, it, was, <laughs> it was not a hook by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. If I remember, I think he was retreating uh-huh. and he just it seemed like he just caught him with just a simple jab. And, and no, he couldn't have been retreating, no, he was moving forward. It was just a simple jab, caught him. Went down like a sack yeah. of bricks, yeah, he and knocked- then he hit him with one of those dead Henderson. He was already done. Shots, yeah. Save he was him. already done. Um, yeah, everybody was so confident Zach Palga was going to win. I don't know anything about any of these guys, Marcus. But when they said he's normally two hundred five er and he's fighting at heavyweight, and I'm like looking at this fight as they get into the cage, and I'm like, yeah, Usman real ripped, like real ripped, and Palga just looking like a dude out there. <laughs> uh oh. Um, Mike's girl Juliana Miller defeated Brogan Walker Sanchez and gave a good old DX crotch, crotch chop when it was over. Um, these are your ultimate fighters winner, folks. It definitely looked like everybody cared about that little piece of shit trophy they gave him at the end. Marcus Sergey Spivak. You give mm-hmm. him a guy who's without doesn't have a well-rounded game, he'll beat him. You'll just take care of it real quick if you like him too, too. <laughs> yeah, Spivak looked good. Uh, his stand-up looked crisp. His, his jab was on point busted Sakai up. And then, I mean, he was just levels ahead of him on the ground. Every time he took him down, you know, he was able to advance and move position uh, to Sakai's credit, was able to get back to his base, build himself back up multiple times. But yes, Bivik just kind of had all the answers for him when it came to the grappling. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like the most crazy finish. It was just like he rode his back and just pummeled him until the referee, you know, in good consciousness, couldn't allow it to continue anymore. But, you know, a good solid win for him. Yeah, Sergey's a, Sergey's a good fighter, man. He's only uh 27 years old the polar bear um he lost to tom aspinall besides that he's always won five of six i mean five of six and losses to aspinall he's a good fighter 
Uh, still very young for this weight class and a real heavyweight. You're not a guy who looks like he can cut what cut down either. Um, Mike T Rex, Terrence McKinney. I'm a big T Rex fan, dude. And uh, when you go in as a minus 800 favorite, there's an expectation you're going to put a guy away quick. Mission accomplished for this young young man. Uh, yes, I would think that he actually did accomplish that. He rear and choked the guy, uh, first round, two minutes and 17 seconds in. Good performance. When you are that big of a favorite, you have no choice but to go in and just murder the guy. Stubbs. Yeah. Um, Stubbs from what? You got to say what these guys, you got to say, you got to say what they're from, one. Two, I can see you uh, reading Wikipedia. So close the article uh, with your famous cat list. I see your eyes <laughs> shifting every time you need to say one, Mike. Well, dude, okay. he asked he asked me to get some real cats. I don't know any <laughs> real cats. I had to find Stubbs. And in case you're wondering, Stubbs was the mayor of an Alaskan town for 20 years before he died in. Well, he didn't say he needs real cats. He just said non-cartoon cats. Uh, uh, what other cats are there going to be? Like, uh, what? Are, uh, what I was going to say Salem. What do you mean? I was going to say Salem. I was going to say if you said dogs, I'd be like Eddie from Frasier. Comet from Full House. There's Lassie from Lassie. Famous, there's not many famous TV cats. How many famous? You're the TV one who came up with this. You know? You're the one who came up with. You act like this was an assignment we gave you. All right. So I, I had to. I, he he asked for real cats. I don't yeah, know any real cats. I had to. My, I had to my, my, Mike's the Mike's the Kevin Durant of this podcast. In that he's just like we gave him exactly what he chose the things he got. And he's also, like, what do I got? I them? never said. Excuse me. I never said I was going to say all of these shits from memory. <laughs> That's some shit you The only thing I was me, bringing sir. up is very early on in this bit, I noticed a a follow-through through these. These all seem to be animated cats. And I was wondering, is this the extent of the list? Or are there going to be I, I was, I was waiting for Mike to say, I was waiting for Mike to say cat dog because I felt then we would have controversy. We would have controversy. Dog. Yeah. No, no, let's not go there. He's uh, also a hybrid, so he's not a true cat. I mean, the half of him that's cat, cat is cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the undercard. Oh, actually, Marcus, real quickly. Terrence McKinney, before I move off of him. This is what you mm -hmm. want a big prospect to do after you come off a loss, right? You come out there, you get another win, you do it emphatically. Because after that run he was on where he won, like, he was five straight wins um, between the LFA and the UFC. He lost to Drew Dober in his last fight. And I'm sure a lot of people cooled on him, but this is the type of performance you expect from a young guy if he wants to really show that he is someone to look out for in the future, right? Yeah, no, I mean, you always want to be able to show a good bounce back after a tough loss like that. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you've learned anything from watching fights over the years, you know, you can never just discount anybody, you know, and it's kind of why it's always tough when we pick fights and we're kind of betting against them instead of betting for the other guy because I hate to count somebody out because maybe they're on, a, you know, a bad run or anything because we don't always know the whole story. So, yeah, anytime you have a loss, to have an emphatic win, to kind of put some of those doubts to rest from the critics and also, you know, potentially in your own mind because, you know, getting a tough loss is always – you know, can play mind games with you, but, you know, he looked confident and, you know, had a good solid win on his uh, back here. So, yeah, good for him. I do think we do do that sometimes. Honestly, last week, as much as we all like Jamal Hill, at least half of our pick was saying Tiago Santos isn't Tiago Santos anymore. You know what I mean? That was that was definitely <laughs> some of my thinking. Yeah, um, I'm here. Cheshire Cat. All right. Sam Alvey. Yeah, close the curtain. His contract is up. His last win was against John Volante. Did, uh, did I see 
did I see it was this that this had to have been I've misread the internet. Did I see he's lost nine in a row? So no, 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 no. He has no wins in nine fights. He lost four, got a draw, lost four more. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Um the only one he got a draw on is a guy named Daun Jung who I mean he got a lot of wins so props <laughs> he's still in the UFC um yeah that's uh hey man I think he um is he not is he, I think he could be useful as a commentator not like play-by-play, play, but like in-studio, because I think they have a lot of it, commentators in general. I think he's done it in the past, and I think he's good at it. I think that's part of the reason he might have gotten... I think that might be why he's gotten as much rope as he has. Um, or I don't know, man. I'd be you're, surprised. Hey, man. I'd be surprised. Hey, uh, hey, this is this is not coming from... I have no disdain for that. I, Sam Alvey was a guy before he got in the UFC, and, and Bob, maybe you know too. Like I knew of this guy; I'd seen him fight and was impressed with his, you know, prowess and his ability. Well, we all kind of knew what MFC was. That's what was going on. MFC was a relevant organization back then because that's where we got like um, Jorge, um, whatever was their middleweight champion, Santiago. Jorge Santiago came from them and stuff. We, but yeah, go ahead. We knew who he was. Yeah, the, like the, the only reason why I think it, I don't foresee him being like an on-air talent is just I don't think. He ever grew to that kind of popularity. I think a lot of the guys that we see in studio at some point either held a belt or were in title contention or made line. And I don't think Sam ever really got there. And I, But I, I do agree with you. I think the reason why they let him kind of stick around for as long as he did is because, like, he's just a charming motherfucker. He's just a happy-go-lucky guy. I don't think he... I think what he said in, like, pre-interviews to a couple of his fights is, like, he never turned down a fight. He always took fights. I think there's probably even a couple of short notice fights in here. You know, he was really kind of a company guy. I just don't, and I don't disagree with you that he wouldn't be good on the mic. I just don't know if he has that kind of cachet that you can put him in a studio with other guys and people are going to be like, oh, I care about this guy's opinion because he was a pretty unsuccessful, you know, combatant in the UFC. You know, I mean, I think at this point, especially after 10 fights, nine law or i'm sorry nine fights eight losses it's kind of like you know not to diminish him but it's like it's like your opinion doesn't sway as much when you kind of look at the last track record and it's just a bunch of l's now hmm? while i don't want to say you you can obviously have an intelligent informed you know decision without being a champion in the ufc Absolutely. we do it we do it every week on this uh, podcast sure. <laughs> but if you're gonna be on fox well not fox on espn let's mm. let's run through the former fighters that are commentators either in the booth or in the studio they're either all former champions or in the case of michael chiesa a, a tough winner right well, I guess there's also Dan. I no, um, honestly, I think you guys are might be the, the the rule. The the how good you have to be to be on the at the table is not. You have I, to have well, been a contender. Alan, 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 Alan Joban has been on the table there, man. They don't. You have to be too handsome. There's always a handsome exception, Bobby Puss in Boots. Okay, let me put it this way. Let me just get past this because uh, we don't need to talk this much about Sam Alvey. Let's see what he does if he wants to keep fighting or not. But my man's got five kids with America's Next Top Model over there. Um, maybe go home. <laughs> we have a lot of kids, man. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe wrap it up. Yeah. Hello, kitty. Four kids, and he just adopted a foster daughter too. What a good guy. Um, he can build Josie and the Pussycats. 
with he's, all those children. He's the only one training with Team uh, Quest there, huh? Is it just him by himself? Um, what's that? What's Tan? What's Dan Henderson do when he rolls into the T- Dan Henderson Fitness Center? Um, and uh, Brian Battle. Uh, well, we're hope we hope Takashi Sato's okay, right, Mike? We hope he's okay because <laughs> that was rough. Um, that was real rough. Um, they might not. Uh, they might just tell him go home. Like that was his third straight UFC loss. Four losses and uh, last five fights. Yeah, that was rough. Forty-five seconds in, getting knocked out like that. He uh, he he stiffened up pretty well on the on the way down to the ground. He assumed the funeral position with his arms just crossed yeah. in front of him, very similar to Mufasa. He was just dead on the floor. Um, can we get Brian Battle a Wikipedia page, folks? That's all I'm asking. Let's get a man a Wikipedia page. Called out um, uh, Ian Gary, if I'm right, after uh, okay after the fight. That Did seems it? reasonable. We like Ian Gary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, Ian Gary might be a... I don't know where anybody's ranked. I don't think Ian Gary's ranked. Is he, Marcus? Why would he be, right? I don't think so, but... He yeah, is so. not ranked. So. Um, all right. Uh, fight of the night was uh, Hill and Santos. Neil Usman and Brian Battle with the performances of the night. There was ten finishes. If you wanted to break everybody off like five grand too, wouldn't have been the you know most unreasonable thing to do. UFC, come on. At least the guy, at least the guys that won, the guys and gals that finished. Why not? Yeah. Um, UFC's back next week in the uh, in the San Diego area area at the Pachanga Arena mm-hmm. with Marlon Marlon Vera and Dominic Cruz. Uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. Uh, first, some MMA news. Um, I thought I saw another fight book for that Abu Dhabi card, and now I can't find it. Um, what was it? Okay, well, the biggest news is that uh, Izzy, Mar- Izzy Adesanya is going to defend that championship in New York mm-hmm. against uh, Alex Pajeda. Um, and also, it sounds like... Um, that's where we're getting Michael Chandler and Dustin uh, Poirier. Cool. And there was another title fight I mentioned to you, Marcus, that would be on there. Now I don't remember what it would be. Um, what the hell was mm-hmm. it? Nothing's coming to mind. Was it a ladies' championship, maybe? I don't I'm think so. Th- um, what the hell was it? Um, who are the champions? Uh, UFC uh, champions. Okay, was it wasn't it heavyweight. Got, it wasn't heavyweight. Uh, it wasn't light heavy. It was light was heavyweight. It, light? it was light heavyweight. They're going to roll it back, right? They might roll back. They might run back Yuri and Glover on that card, too. Mike, this sounds like a fun one to go to. Not that I'm trying to get you to spend $500. No, uh, honestly, um, I actually think I might be spending $500 to go to this one. I Ooh. don't care if I can't get Phil to go with me. I will, I will well, I might, go on I my actually own. I don't know how many. I'm looking at late October. Early November, okay. but we'll talk after. I might, go, right. I might be there for that one with you. I'd go All right, you, perhaps you'll actually use my uh, my uh, my my sofa bed. That's know? right. Yeah, man, cat in the hat. Hey, let's do it. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, cat in the hat. Let's do it, Mike. That's got to be your uh, your catchphrase going forward on this podcast. <laughs> cat in the hat. Let's do it. No, that's a good card, man. Even those three, they're saying they want to go five rounds with Chandler and po- and Poirier, which I'm in favor of in general. But man, that's a lot of five rounds. <laughs> That's a lot of five rounds. Because I feel Izzy and Pajeda might take five rounds. 
Yiri and Glover apparently might take a while too. There's a lot of five rounds going on on that one. Look, um, man, we're, we'll be we'll be getting home around two o'clock in the, in the morning, but don't worry, it's New York, baby. It's a city that never sleeps. Raja from Aladdin. So we're taking an Uber at, at two in the morning. <laughs> of course, we're taking an Uber. Are you kidding me? I'm not taking the trade at that time. I'm just checking. Mom. I'm just checking. That's a good card, man. I like it. Um, and uh, that's the one after. That's the pay per view after the Abu Dhabi one, which I swear to God they made another. They picked. They made another fight for. But now I can't even find the fucking thing. Um, by the way, right now it's looking like uh, the co-main event of Diaz and Chimaev. Johnny Walker, Ian Kutalaba. Yep. I'm mad at that. Or Irene Aldana versus Macy Chison. I'm not paying for Or that. Jake Collier versus the Huggy, Bo- uh, Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear. <laughs> I mean, we're Huggy Bear fans, Mark, but I mean... I hope he gets a check <laughs> if he's going to be this on paper. Charles Burnett, right? Is that what we're talking about? Chris uh, Barnett. Oh, Chris Barnett. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see the guy, but yeah, I mean, watching them sandbag their own pay-per-view is hilarious to me. Yeah. You don't think ESPN's sitting there like, hey, man, you know we're trying to sell more of these, right? <laughs> more? <laughs> Not less. More. <laughs> like... Whatever number you're thinking, we want to sell one more than that at least. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's just pick this card, which uh, Mar- it, Marcus, we, we, we've been talking about how good these uh, fight night cards have been that are with front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. And not that this one doesn't have people we know. It has names we recognize, but a bit of a drop off in terms of the number of notable fighters and fights on this one. Yeah. I mean, looking at it, it looked like a couple fights did get canceled. Like Alexa lo- Grosso, yep. and Aspen there was Ladd. one other ladies' fight. Aspen yeah, the last fight. I mean, and those were a couple of decent fights. But yeah, but looking up and down this one, we're only picking a main event. There's a couple other fights that were like, oh, maybe we could pick this or that, but they would be one-sided. So yeah, and it was weird because it did seem like when we first saw this, it was like, oh, this is not going to be at Las Vegas. They're going to have to fill this up with something that people want to pay money to go to. And you know, looking at the card now, it doesn't have that on paper kind of you know pizzazz now you know let, let's see how the, the card actually turns out because av- as we've seen when they're in you know a big audience the fights really do seem to deliver so hopefully it's still a fun card even though there's not a lot of name value on it and uh man tyson nam's still in the ufc i like how tyson nam's still here mark it's been huh. 10 years since he knocked out eduardo dantes when eduardo dantes was bellator champion and that's all he is to me in my head that's Tyson mm-hmm. Nam. Ten years ago, he beat up. He's the guy who knocked out a Bellator champion, you know, in a different promotion while the guy was a Bellator champion. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, let's get into it here, guys. Um, we're just picking the main event, but real quickly, let's mention the rest of the card here. Um, Angela Hill, Lupita Godunez. Um, Angela Hill's got to get a win, man. I feel like Angela Hill hasn't won one. Angela Hill is the Sam Alvey. Yeah, Angela Hill is the Sam Alvey of this week. Of this, uh, she hasn't uh, won in like three or four fights, right? She's lo- she won against Ashley Yoder uh, in March of 2021. Around though, she's five and six in her last six, though, and that's the win. Um, she needs Although, a win. Badly. I would say, I would say with Angela Hill, I think maybe about a year, year and a half, because she fights pretty pretty often but yeah a year year and a half ago the the thought process or like the uh the narrative was man she loses a lot of close decisions that arguably went her way 
uh, hasn't really been so much. I mean, the uh, some of these, some of these, arguably, I'm just like, I'm arguably thinking she didn't win that though. Like, arguably means the other one could have won too, and they did. I don't know. Yeah, whereas like before, it was I think the consensus was, oh, maybe she, she probably, she probably did win that one. Now it's not so much the case like that anymore, Mrs. Norris. Um. Those are the last two are from Harry Potter. Lupita Godinez. Yeah, I knew Crookshanks. Lupita uh, Godinez, eight and two overall, wins over Ariane Carnalosi and Loma Lukbunmi. I just really wanted to say that out loud. Don't know who she is. Well done. Straight up. Don't know who she is. Marcus, this is in San Diego. This is uh, Alliance MMA territory. This mm-hmm. is Angela Hill fighting at home. Hopefully she can get it done here. I'm I'm actively rooting for Angela Hill to not get cut here, guys. That's really what I'm saying. She's lost five or six. We need a W here. Some way or another, she needs to get a W. Um, Cynthia Calvia, Nina Nunez. Has Nina Nunez fought at flyweight before? Is this new? Do we like... Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe she's I moved on. I believe this is her first fight at flyweight, Lionel. Yeah, um... This is how the UFC baits Amanda into fighting uh, Valentina. Nina gets one win. They feed her to Valentina. Valentina lays a beating on her. Amanda has to defend her honor. That's how you get that third fight, guys. How do they, honestly, real quick, talk, Marcus. How do they go to Amanda Nunes and try to convince her she needs to fight this third fight? Short of money. Is the answer just money? I mean, she said she wanted to. Did she say that? Yeah, right after the fight, she said, like, I think it makes sense. It's, you know, it, it is. Well, Dana White definitely only... definitely said that. Amanda said it, too. She's down. I thought it was right in the press conference they were talking about. I mean, then she also said, you know, like, Valentina. I, I think Valentina said something like, oh, you stole my style or something. And she made a poignant point about, like, well, Valentina has to say these things because, you know, she wants to get her, you know, name out there because she lost her last fight. Now, she didn't actually lose her last fight. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know talk yeah, it was about, a close you know, fight. fight would have happened at the, at the end of the day she still got the w so yeah, amanda I mean, lost her last fight that's what losing last fight looks like i mean <laughs> yeah well i mean well now amanda didn't lose her last fight fair she point emphatically um but yeah i mean i think i think the fans know that that's kind of the only interesting fight and it, it does seem like if she is able to fight valentino and win that fight there's really not much left for her to do and you know maybe retirement at that point would make a lot of sense but you know we'll see we'll see Fights how those canceled. cards play out Hmm? Fights canceled. Oh wait, oh, no, man. sorry, no, never mind. I'm reading wrong. The Nunes fight. I was reading about that. Now I thought the Nunes fight got canceled. Oh, okay. I we weren't swung. picking it, was... it anyway, so it wouldn't have. Yeah, that was apparently canceled last month, and they had to run it back for now. Um, we also got Ariane Lipsky and Priscilla Cachoeira were supposed to be on this card. Were to be on the card last week. Got moved back a week. The Queen of Violence, um, Ariane Lipsky, uh, missed weight last week when they did weigh in. And then wasn't cleared the next day, so I'm gonna suggest she wins this fight because that's normally not a way to get in anybody's good graces. Um, Priscilla Quashwara is a very beatable person. Her nickname is Zombie Girl, not for good reasons. Right? Not at all. Um, and uh, Tyson Nam still here. All right, Marlon Vera, Dominic Cruz. Who's got the betting line? I actually have it open for for once, mm. uh, and uh, now it doesn't want to load as I get it up. Mr. Malarkey Ying Yang uh, on FanDuel, uh, Dominic Cruz is a plus 180 underdog to Marlon Vera's negative 235 favorite. Mm-hmm. And on DraftKings, Dominic Cruz is a plus 185 underdog 
to Marlon Vera's minus 215 favorite grumpy cat. Okay. Uh, Marlon Vera coming off of that fight with Rob Font before that beating Frankie Edgar. Honestly, has looked great. Um, in his last six fights, he is four and two. The Song Yadong loss, which we all pretty much thought he won, but then he said some questionable stuff afterwards that made us not care that he lost, if we remember correctly. Exactly. Losing to Jose Aldo is losing to Jose Aldo, man. He's still Jose Aldo. He's still a good fighter. These last three, man, he's looked excellent. Marlon Vera's really turned a corner. Um, Dominic Cruz, 36 years old. Um, two straight wins over Casey Kenny and Pedro Munoz. Those were both in 2021. Him fighting again eight months later almost is rare at this point. Um, so here's the thing. I'm the biggest Dominic Cruz mark on this podcast. I'm well aware of it. I think the world of Dominic Cruz is fight IQ. And I've come to really appreciate the way he fights. Considering him as a man recognizing he has zero power and is doing what he has to do. Um, if this was the best version of Dominic Cruz or almost, not even the best, the almost, like that level of Dominic Cruz where he's near his best, I think he he picks Marlon apart. I think that version of Dominic Cruz picks everybody apart because that's what it did. Um He's not that guy anymore. He's not. He's 36 years old. These are the man's having leg injuries. And his number one skill is his movement. And I still think him coming back and winning that championship against TJ Dillashaw is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. After not fight or fighting once in like five years. Mike. Seven before. seven fights in an eleven year span. Yeah. I just counted it. Uh he he won he beat Demetrius Johnson in October twenty eleven. Then from there, he was gone for three years. He fought once for he, a minute. He KO'd Mizugaki. Uh -huh. Then he was gone for like what, a year and a half. Uh -huh. Wins the title. Fights two fights in like a six-month period. You know, good for him. And uh -huh. then he was gone again for four years before yeah. he lost uh, to Henry You Cimito. can't. These are just the man's got chronic problems, man. I mean, I don't want to just say he's going to lose. We, Mark talked about it. We're picking against a guy. I'm basically trying to say Marlon Vera's gotten really good. But this and this version of Dominic Cruz doesn't beat him. I think the betting line, I, I, he looked good against Pedro Munoz, but it's not the same thing. And um, the old version of Dominic Cruz beats Pedro Munoz without taking a punch. So, may, may I make a correction though? When you say the old version, like we're not saying that Dominic Cruz the, is the, old, yeah. Is that he's battered on his lower body is battered to the point. Well, that no, he when I said when I said when self. I said the old version of Pedro of Dominic Cruz beats Pedro Munoz, I mean the version of Dominic Cruz that was world champion would have beaten and, Pedro Munoz without getting punched at all. And to even put a higher point on his injuries, as you mentioned, his main weapon is his feet, and I'm pretty sure this might still be the case that his plantar fasciitis in his feet is so bad that if I am correct. At one point, he had to start having Botox and just yeah, that's what he does. Put right into his feet, Asriel yeah. from Smurfs. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah, you got to end with the cat, and then I'll go back in the middle of the sign something, Mike. You got to end well, with I had, the cat. I, I really had to emphasize just how amazing that is, Diego from Ice Age. Um, that was a cat. It was a saber tooth tiger. I get. We're going real loose with this cat definition. Uh, is a tiger not a cat? I think there was an... Is it National Jungle Cat Day? Or is it National... What cat, kind of cat? cat? Cat's an umbrella term, baby. Okay, that's definitely what they meant. 
Yeah, I got I got Marlon Vera, but I'll be absolutely thrilled if Dominic wins. I'll be honest. I think that'd be so cool if he could still be a top five guy. I think Vera's top five. If he's not, he should be. Marcus, who do you got? Yeah, I think this is tough because I, I, I part of me really does want to pick Cruz to get one on top of you, Bob, and Chuck. <laughs> I'd be thrilled and, to be wrong. <laughs> and the reason, the only reason why I, I kind of want to go with Cruz is that, I, look, he's not going to stop Vera. If there's one thing I've learned from Marlon in his last couple of fights is like the dude, mm-hmm. his biggest weapon is he does not get hurt. Punches don't phase him. He keeps going. He's very Terminator and like that. Like you said, stylistically, if Dominic was on top of his game, this is the type of matchup where he potentially could outpoint the guy, stay on the outside. Because I think Marlon does kind of have sometimes a difficult time catching guys. It is kind of, he's not like, he's not so loose on his feet that he's able to cut off the ring and kind of make these opportunities for himself um, as easily um, as some other people. But he just can take a lot of punishment. He doesn't get phased. He doesn't get hurt. And, you know, when you look at his losses, he loses by decision. The only way Dominic is going to win this fight, in my eyes, is like he's going to win a decision. So in the 11 decisions that, you know, Marla, uh, Marlon has gotten to, he's lost seven of four. So like, I, that's the kind of road I'm seeing. Like, well, potentially, maybe that's the avenue that Cruz can potentially be victorious in this fight. Um, but I think you bring up a lot of good points. Like, he's kind of past his prime. There's been a lot of injuries now. What kind of almost solidified it for me is like his last fight against uh, Pedro uh, Munoz. These are two guys I used to categorize similarly a lot, um, Marlon and Pedro. And seeing that win, I was like, okay, not it not it not being that long ago. It was okay. a damn war though, bro. It yeah, honestly, I don't even remember the fight. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> a no, he, it, it, it was a battle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm gonna go with uh, Vieira. I mean, I it, it's tough because I, I want to pick these spots where I can get ahead of Chuck and get one on Bob. Uh, this is kind of a fight where it seems like maybe this ain't it, bro. Yeah, I mean, it that was be. kind of it. it was just like I, yeah, I. At the end of the day, if we come back next week and Cruz wins this by decision, I'll feel kind of dumb not having more faith in my gut, but. It would also be kind of a long shot. And, and honestly, when it came down to it, I looked at Cruz's, you know, 36 isn't old, but he was born in 85. I'm born in 85. My ankles hurt. You know, I'm not quite as limber <laughs> as I used to be. And this guy's a pro athlete with multiple injuries. And, I, and then I looked at Vera and I saw he's under 30. So I'm like, okay, there's enough things here that I think maybe he's not going to get it done. So I'm going to go with Vera. I, I, I'd love to, to be the outlier here. I haven't mentioned it. After my complete blunder on the England card, two cards, no, nothing wrong so far. Yeah, good job, buddy. But, but you know, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. And I'd love to, to make a risky pick here and, and get some ground, but I, I just don't think it's the one. Mike, so, how, about your, how about your efforts to suck less? What about you? To that, to that effect, gentlemen, uh, since there was some movement in the rankings, I know we're a little, a little ahead since we've actually made some picks already. But I'll uh, I'll give an update on the rankings. Um, Bobby, who's displaying his guns, is uh, forty eight and twenty. Chuck is forty six and twenty two. Mark moves out of the basement that I was sharing with him for a week. At now tied for second at forty six and twenty two, and I'm bringing up the rear at forty five and twenty three. As I alluded to from my talk earlier on. Dominic's compromised wheels at this point. If this fight had happened 
five years ago when his feet weren't as fucked up because i'm assuming they aren't much they they haven't gotten better i likely would have picked dominic but i'm assuming that his uh his textbook footwork that got him the championship twice it just isn't going to be there to the level that marlin won't be able to pick him apart and i think this one likely ends in in in, in a knockout for marlin vero oh he's finishing him you think he's finishing him yeah yeah, that's tough. Um, you might be right. That's tough. Dominic is not yeah. easy to finish. I, um, I think I think this ends in a knockout. Meow. I think I think the only people that beat him, finish him, are what uh, Uriah and um, Cejudo, right? I think that's correct. I just close those pages, but yeah, sure. Uh, oh, I mean, and to answer the question you posed a little earlier, Marlon Vera is ranked number five in the UFC mm. rankings. Marie from Aristocrats. Yeah, he's the only top five opponent that uh, Sean O'Malley has faced, and he got knocked out. Just want to point that out. Um, man, Peter Yon's going to beat his ass. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. <laughs> Peter Yon's going to beat his ass. Um, yeah, this card, uh, we'll see how it goes, man. Um, I want to mention that uh, we got some interesting shit happening over at the PFL this week. Um, they're in their playoffs over there. And um, we last week, um, Anthony Pettis lost to Stevie Ray. This week, we got Rory McDonald and Magomed Umalatov uh, in a welterweight semifinal. Uh, Magomed's undefeated. Um, Rory's been real hit and miss since he's been out of the UFC. Um, I thought I saw the betting line. Now I can't find it. I guess it doesn't exist. And over on Bellator, um, this is a really good fight. Uh, Goiti Yamauchi and Neiman Gracie are throwing down over there. Um, I thought as part of a tournament, it just might be for shits and giggles, huh? That's rare. Um, also on that card is uh, Alima May, L.A. McFarland and uh, Austin Vanderford, not against each other, obviously, taking on other people, too. This is Vanderford's first fight back since losing that title shot to uh, Gegard, who Gegard smoked him in, like, two minutes, right? It was some shit like that. Very, so we'll see how he bounces very, very long way to go to get smoked just so badly aslan where was the fight it was in uh it was in dublin they went all the way to dublin to get knocked out that quickly that's rough that is that's rough okay um i think that's i think that's it um let's do stuff we like and uh we can get out of here um this was the return this past not week the week before i missed it was the return of harley quinn the animated series, which is on HBO Max. Um, we've all talked, I think we've all talked about it on this show a few times, probably. Probably you guys when it first came out, me when I got caught up. I love that show. Um, there's four episodes out now, if I'm not mistaken, because it's mm-hmm. three the first week and then one every week after that. I watched them. Um, I dug them. Not as much as I, I, I was telling Mark this earlier. I need a King Shark. I need a King Shark focused episode. Um, I, that's my dude. And um, I did enjoy uh, Clayface's acting stuff so far. These episodes, there were some really good moments in there. Um, and I honestly don't remember. Did they kill um, Doctor Psycho in season two? Spoilers. Maybe he is. I'm I not. Do not I don't remember if he died or not. I'm trying to remember where he is. I don't remember if he died. Do you, Mike? Do you remember? I I do not remember at all. I think are they on the third or the fourth season? This is third. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Um, and, 
Yeah, I like uh, that show. And um, I also like when you break the law and you live in a golf course and then the FBI raids your golf course and you're whining like a bitch that they broke your safe and no one explained a search warrant to you. And then I also like it when you spent a lot of time, when you're this other person and you spent a lot of time targeting the families of children who died in a horrible gun tragedy and now you owe them over $45 million and that your dumbass lawyers texted your entire fucking text history to the opposing counsel and then did not claim anything privileged. And I also like it when uh, those text messages end up in the hands of a Senate, of a House subcommittee dedicated to focusing on the treason of the first guy who lives in the golf course. And that's the same day it happens as when they go, the FBI raids the golf course. I like all that shit. That's just, let me tell you, let me tell you guys something. Mm -hmm. He's the second guy he's referring to Mm. is Alex Jones. Take about, take about 10 to 15 minutes. I forget how long the video is, but go look at the court video of when, uh, when they start dropping all this shit on Alex Jones, <laughs> my man starts sweating like he popped on Molly, and my man is in the club. Sheer Khan. Jesus, Sheer Khan. That one, huh? Okay. Um, I liked all of that. All of that. Um, and as a Watergate nerd, really enjoyed myself these past few weeks just letting you know um that's where i'm at mike what about you what's your stuff you like uh my stuff is not a stuff this week it is a person and it is my next door neighbor marlenny you guys are probably asking why am i bringing up my next door neighbor marlenny because marlenny was a lifesaver yesterday i was making curry here at my house And I was using my extremely sharp Japanese knife that I bought off Amazon Prime the other day. Uh Um, Bobby already knows where this story is going. Well, because I do this all the time. I know where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm there. I'm there being lazy because the last step I had to do in my stew is put in the uh, golden curry uh, roux cubes. So, you know, so that can become an actual curry, right? So one of my little tricks is that I actually chop up the curry, the, the curry cubes so that way it can dissolve into the, the simmering stew even quicker, right? And I was busy talking with someone as I was doing this. And pro tip, boys and girls, uh, should probably not drink and also talk while, you know, chopping shit up. Well, I was there you know, chopping away, hacking away at that motherfucker. And then, you know, chop, 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 chop. Oh, that was my finger. Oh, that slid right through. Oh, it's a good thing I have a nail because the nail really saved me from just fucking going all the way in. Oh, oh, this is really starting to hurt. Oh, no, I have no band-aids. Oh, no. Yo, Marlene, hook me up. And Marlene hooked me up. She was like, Mira, mijo, Akita. She gave me a first aid kit. I was like, oh, I don't need that much. And she goes, no, no, no. Just take it. Use what you need to use. Return it whenever. You can just this, put this thing fucking, in this the front fucking of my idiot. Door. This Marlene is like, this fucking idiot looks like he's going to cut himself again. <laughs> so, nothing but gratitude towards Marlene. You were a lifesaver. Thank you so much. She is the person I like this week, Luna from Sailor Moon. Marcus? 
Nice. Um, yeah, I got. We, we, I got we, quite we have so a... far, we have so far, so far, so far, we've hit presidential impropriety, impropriety, general dickbaggery by Alex Jones, and first aid injuries. So, what do you like this week, buddy? I mean, yeah, mine's more of the standard fare of which I normally talk about in <laughs> video games and movies, uh, and I guess TV show. Um, so, we're kind of getting into the fall. I mean, not really, but we're closely getting to like the big fall gaming season. You know, usually August is when some stuff starts to drop, and for the next four weeks, there's a game every week that I'm kind of interested in, and this one's kind of a weird indie one that kind of snuck up on my radar uh, a couple months ago, but I'm probably more excited about it than a lot of other games coming out. It's called Arcade Paradise. This is kind of one of those job simulator slash like mini game compilations where basically the premise is uh, your dad owns a bunch of bunch of businesses. He gives you a laundromat to try to get some like, uh, you know, routine in you kind of grow you up. And then, the side game of that is that like you have a little couple arcade machines in the back and as you progress running the laundromat you get uh you can get more machines and you eventually kind of turn the laundromat into an arcade and what really i mean is someone that just loves arcades um and just loves kind of the culture around them it's it looks like it's really bringing a lot of that kind of vibe into the game where you know you're gonna have like this little arcade and uh it's gonna sound like an arcade and you have little like foosball games and each arcade is an original game that they made up you know highly kind of stylized after actual games um and i don't know it just uh, those are two genres i really like um i really like kind of job simulators so like there's part of the game is running this laundromat washing clothes cleaning up throwing trash away trash away and stuff like that but also then buying and collecting these arcade machines to kind of round out your um your backroom arcade and i don't know it just look it's, it's, it's extremely appealing for a 90s kids that has a lot of nostalgia for old arcades so i'm very much looking forward to that one that that one comes out on the 11th and it's i think comes out on pretty much everything steam switch playstation xbox all that stuff i did also want to mention a couple weeks ago this wasn't a game that i mean i knew about i had my eye on i wasn't really interested in trying it out and then you know former uh member of the podcast Stefan talked about he started playing it so i started dabbling in multiverses and you know the first time i played a couple matches i instantly liked it and i was like oh boy now i'm kind of interested and hooked and i'm going to be spending time unlocking these characters and such and so on and off i've been playing that for the last like four or five days and i've really been enjoying it um you know it is a free-to-play game which is nice but there's lots of okay you gotta you want to get all these characters you have to earn the currency to earn the currency you have to you know level up your characters go through the season passes do these daily challenges and stuff. It's a game that very much wants you to be playing it every day and accomplishing certain things, which usually isn't necessarily my style of game, but it's kind of gone its hooks in me, you know, and I've only been playing it for a couple of days, so it's still very fresh and fun and unique. Um, and technically it's still in beta. So, you know, it's supposed to be kind of a so, games as a service. So we should be seeing more stuff come out. In a I, I, yeah. I downloaded that game the other day based off mm -hmm. uh, Stefan's suggestion. So, is it is it worth playing Princess Caroline from BoJack Horseman? Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know. See, it made it sound like that was a character in the game. Uh, I really like it. You know, as someone, I I do and still play Smash Brothers quite a lot. Um, and a big appeal of that game is like the roster. I think there's just so many fun characters, and it's just a fun game to kind of jump in and just beat some heads. Um, and this game for me, what's kind of kept me going into it is I've been getting over my kind of 
fear of playing online and kind of my hesitancy of playing other people. Because, I mean, I don't like to lose. I, I like and the, When I play Smash, I play against one other bot. It's not a high level. It's just going in there just to smash stuff and just kind of have fun hitting another opponent or whatever. Um, so this is a little bit more competitive. And it, but it's also a game that's kind of like, it's kind of loosey-goosey. It's a little like some of the hitboxes are kind of weird. A lot of times when you play one-on-one, it's just you two dodging each other a lot. Sometimes it's really hard to kind of anticipate how to hit somebody. But I have found it to be really enjoyable. And personally, I really liked it. You know, the roster compared to Smash is so much smaller. But the few, the handful of characters they have in there, I'm interested in. And it's because, you know, I like cartoons. So Finn from Adventure Time, Garnet from uh, Steven Universe, Superman, Wonder Woman. You know, these are characters that I'd be interested in playing as. And then the other characters to unlock, which takes a good amount of time to unlock these additional characters. I'm also interested. I, I want to unlock Batman. I already unlocked Steven from Steven Universe, even though he's really tough to play as. Harley Quinn seems kind of fun. Uh, lo- everyone loves playing as LeBron, and he looks fun because it's just fun to hit some dude with the basketball doing a bounce pass because <laughs> nothing's less threatening than a fucking pass that hits the ground first. Um, so I- I've really been enjoying it. You know, it- it's hard for me to say if you're going to get a lot of mileage out of it, if it's going to really like click for you and you're going to have that kind of same experience that i had but it is free to play so i mean give it a shot i do recommend kind of learning the ropes and then because the characters kind of do have some weird mechanics each character seems to have some different type of thing that they can power up and the game is supposed to be played in duos so the two characters are supposed to power each other up and help each other out and i've just started to dabble in that more but yeah i really enjoyed it um i do kind of want to stick around i do want to play with steph i you know he was actually on vacation where he didn't have good internet so we didn't get a team up, uh, but I'm, I'm very much interested in trying this in the long haul um, and, and seeing what becomes of it because I did kind of get its hooks in me. But again, in the first couple days, you know, a game is kind of fresh and new and interesting and fun. We'll see in the coming weeks if I put a lot of time into it, if it starts to get a little grading. There is only like four or five stages, so there is a lot of repetition. There's only so many characters you have unlocked at first. So you do tend to kind of play and fight against those characters a lot, but yes, yeah, so, so far I've really been enjoying it. We've uh, we've got a backlog of games we have to get like we have to do an online sesh and play for. Got to do mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles. Turtles. I think we should probably do this one as well. We bought Back for Blood and then we played it like once or twice. So <laughs> Drew always wants to play that we one. Should prob- we should probably do. Well, what's the one we played exactly one time? That was real fun, Mark. The one with the dr- uh, the drilling. Oh, it, Deep Rock Galactic. Oh yeah, yeah that game was really, really good. Like yeah, we need Thanks. a Twitch yeah. channel. That's what we need, so people can watch oh, us hey, suck. Why not? We can, can watch us suck. <laughs> We can have another thing that, like, we put a lot of time and effort into this very small audience for, but it's all in good fun. As long as we're having fun, it's worth it. Um, there was there was some more stuff I wanted to mention outside of video games. So, a movie that I caught the trailer for a couple months ago, and I was like, oh, when this comes out, definitely watching it, was uh, Prey. This is kind of a prequel to the Predator movies, which I, as a lot of people, really love Predator 1. I even enjoy Predator 2. I didn't like the first Alien versus Predator, but the second one I did kind of enjoy more. I haven't. I think I saw Predators, but I didn't see more. Yeah, but I didn't see the more recent The Predator. But that being said, the preview, the concept of this one, where it's basically taking place in like the eighteen seventy. No, I think it's the seventeen hundreds, with kind of like native tribe that kind of like find the the predator and have to like fight against it, and you know the, the leading actress is fantastic. I I really thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think this is one, a really fun concept. I think this movie 
really was executed extremely well. I think if you're a Predator fan, there's there's lots of little fun callbacks, um, but it's kind of unique um, in and of its own right and just super enjoyable. So I do hope this movie is a success and I hope this is kind of where they want to take the Predator franchise because these other iterations just haven't really clicked. I think this is a really fun concept where it's like the Predator goes back to medieval times or the Predators in, you know, Edo, Japan during like the samurai times. I mean, I think a lot of this stuff is just the concept in and of itself is interesting. And, and if executed as well as this movie did, I think those can make a really fun series. Um, Amber Midthunder. Yeah. Who is fantastic. a member of the Fort Peck Sioux tribe, actually. I, I think most of the characters are um, in native indigenous people. One of the guys that didn't get a super big role in it was actually on Shorzy. And he was a native, um, and he did fantastic. I mean, Christine's like, I think that's, I think that's Anquinette from Shorzy. And we're like, oh yeah, that's definitely him. And uh, pardon my pronunciation, I don't know how to say this. She's also going to portray you, Yui, or you, the princess of the Northern Water Tribe in the upcoming Avatar: The Last Airbender streaming series. Oh, okay, which cool. I'm not an Avatar guy, Mike. Are you, Mike? You are right, or am I mistaken? Oh, I fucking loved Avatar. The so, Last is this Air a character Avatar. you're familiar with? Princess Yue. Yue, there we go. So yeah, she's playing Princess Yue. Ooh, so, Sokka's love interest. Okay. Yeah, Stefan gave me a really serious uh, oh, review if, of like, if, how much he loved that movie. If he ever gave you a heart, if he ever gave you a, oh, I thought you were talking, I thought you were talking about Avatar now. Sorry. No, no, he's talking about Prey. He, we thought he was comparable to being as good as the original, and I'm like, man, it's a perfect movie. Not to say it's the best movie, but I really think for a, the original Predator movie is like literally every part of that movie is the way it needs to be. To, you know what I mean? To like tell the story they want to tell. That's, I think Die Hard. That's a, that's a good way to put it because in all honesty, I've watched most of Prey. I, I, I fell asleep watching it yesterday. I thought it was really good. They are still two very different movies, Predator and, and, and well, Prey. Well, no, I'm sure. But yeah, it's just, you know, another, I mean, I think that's, you got to go into a movie with the way, think about what they're trying to accomplish with this movie. Like Die yeah. Hard, perfect movie. Legitimately. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think Prey's kind of wrapping in this more character development for the main character. It's kind of a coming of right. age story for her as well. Outside of just like we have to kill this weird creature that we don't understand. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I definitely think if you are a fan of the Predator series, it's it's a must much watch, a must watch. There, um, there, there was a line in the movie that when I heard it, I I was very happy to hear it. Mm -hmm. um it was it was a callback it's not much yes. of a, a spoiler but the callback I when so. uh i think it was either the brother or one of the guys mm -hmm. said yeah, it was the brother if it bleeds we can kill it yeah. Like, yeah 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 the the brother the brother sister dynamic is really cool too because like this brother is kind of like the top guy and his sister wants to become a hunter because she's a gatherer and their dynamic is really cool because it's not like a lot of the other people are kind of down on her and don't think she can do it but like he believes in her, but he's also kind of protective. And he's like, look, if you can cut it, you can cut it. And if you can't, you can't. Um, so it it, it 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 builds on more levels than I think the original Predator movie does. Because I don't think there's much growth in Arnold's character. He's kind of a badass in the beginning. He continues to be a badass. Yeah. Um, but, I, Bobby, like, Predator is easily one of my favorite movies. Because oh, it's I know, just yeah. such a fun <laughs> action movie. And I don't know if this movie is, like, quite... Because, I mean, I like guns. Having uh, Ventura with his Gatling gun. I mean, there's just a lot of machismo that's in that original Predator movie that's not in here. This movie is trying to do something different, and I think it, it succeeds. Um, but yeah, they're just different types of 
flicks, but I definitely can't recommend this movie enough. You know, if you got Hulu, I would even say, shit, if you don't got Hulu, if you want to do one month for six bucks, this is worth $6. Wait, this isn't in theaters? No, this is a Hulu oh. exclusive, which was very yeah. weird. Um, but like, like I said, like, Honestly, like this movie is worth getting a subscription for one month or a free trial if you can wing it or whatever. Like it's worth seeing whatever hoops you got to jump through and whether you can get it, you know, through the internet, through whatever means you got, whatever. I think it's just worth seeing. Um, there is a movie oh, now. Yeah, I'm just definitely, I'm definitely seeing it now. I thought, I mean, it was theaters. It's interesting how it works. Whereas theaters, I'm just like, I right, get to it. It's on HBO, it's on Hulu. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> if this was a theater movie, I would have went to the theater to see it, and I would still strongly recommend. It's worth. It's definitely worth going. Um, so this movie was, I guess, not worth going to the theaters for me. I was very interested in seeing it, uh, but didn't make the the jump out to the theater to see it. Once I heard it was on Netflix, I was like, okay, I definitely have wanted to see this movie for a while. I'm going to check it out, and that is the Uncharted flick. That came out a couple months ago. So it came out to Netflix. And I was like, well, I got a Netflix subscription and I got the time. So I checked it out and I really enjoyed it. I think for like kind of a fun summer flick, it was pretty enjoyable. It's, you know, I guess too, when you kind of paint it in like it's a video game movie and how historically bad those usually turn out to be, this is a pretty good one, all tense and purposes. Like I thought it was fun. Tom Hall, I mean, I think it's hard when you have Tom Holland in any role. That guy just has so much charisma and on sc- on screen presence that you know. And, and look, and I haven't seen. There's a lot of movies he's been in that I haven't seen that like he might have kind of laid a turd in it or something. But like usually when he's kind of a quip throwing kind of character, which Nathan Drake kind of is, like it's pretty enjoyable. Mark Wahlberg as Sully, I think could have been cast better. I don't really think you get a lot of Sully from him. You just get a lot of Mark Wahlberg. And, and to his credit, I will say he has a couple good fun lines in this, but like it really is just Mark Wahlberg kind of just doing his thing. But like there's some fun quips. And I think overall it's just like, look, at there's some fun action. The story is easy to follow. They're kind of going on the so, treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. Marcus, you disagree because this was on Saturday when I put into the group text. Mm. It's an amazing group official. It's an amazing group chat. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's on the highest Patreon tier. If you guys want to get on, there, <laughs> um, I just asked, "Am I going to be just disappointed if I watch Uncharted?" Oh, I honestly didn't see that. Mike um, said mm-hmm. it's not a good movie. Which, in fairness, Mike, you didn't say. I didn't say it was a bad movie. You didn't. You also didn't answer my question necessarily because you're just saying like this is not good. Are you going to be disappointed by not good? Is essentially what you're asking me. Um, and you saw it, Mike. I I did. I actually saw it okay. in the movie theater. Oh, and okay. as someone who's played two and a half of the Uncharted games, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I um, played one and a half. <laughs> Mark uh, Mark Wahlberg is in. I I think he's miscast as a Sully. A fun fact: the Uncharted games had been in development for about ten years. Uh, I think more than ten years. I can't remember when the first Uncharted game came out, but originally, uh, Mark Wahlberg was supposed to play uh, Nate. Mm-hmm. But obviously, he aged out of that role. Um, and I guess he got the consolation prize of uh, of Tony. No, not, so. well, not Tony. Sully. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking of my next cat, Tony the Tiger. <laughs> um, but, hey, fair enough, Mike. If you saw it and you didn't like it, I mean, fair. I For me... I, a, it's maybe, a video game movie, man. I don't know how high your expectations yeah, the, to be, the too. bar wasn't super high. And, I, and at the end of the day, I just enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was Although, fun. I think the bar should is high for a movie like 
Uncharted because that video game series along with Last of Us, those two games are more cinematic masterpieces rather than just regular video games. Um, to say that those are just movies adapted from a video game is to do disservice to the Uncharted games. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think if you played great. all the... I think the Uncharted storyline in the video game is stronger, and some of those games are have more, like, kind of dramatic depth. Yeah, well, what was the storyline? I apologize. Which storyline was it? The first was it start was it Uncharted One? Did they just this do Uncharted? Movie? Yeah, this movie did... is it's not really based on any one game. It takes aspects from certain like they take set pieces from certain games. Like there's a one of the big set pieces is like he's falling out of a plane that was from Uncharted Three. Yeah, but a lot of this is kind of prequel kind of. But it's also like in the games you do see when Nate and Sully first meet and it's different in this movie. They take some stuff from the latest one with his brother, which is kind of like a big anchor in this movie, which was from Uncharted 4. So it's kind of like it, it takes a lot of bits and pieces and lore from a lot of the different games. But like it in and of itself is not directly related to any one game. Um, that being said, like, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. You know, I don't it definitely wasn't like the best movie in the world, but like if. I'm. I think they're going to do a second one because I think this one did well, and I'd be excited to see potentially what they do with another crack at it. Um, yeah, the one I thing, think I'll check it out. Yeah, and the one thing I'm going to say that is a spoiler because I just think it's so dumb, and I think it was just bad writing. They do have. They try to do like a little wink, uh, wink and a nod by having. I can't remember his fucking name. The guy who does all the voices for uh, Uncharted and like there was a time in the in the 2000s where he was doing voices for freaking everybody, and he's basically like on the beach. It's after they have this big. Oh, he, uh, he's the voice for for Nate in the yeah in the video yeah. And I can't remember his fucking name, which is gonna bug me, but it's whatever. So he's on the beach. He has a little cameo. So, uh, you know, Tom Holland comes up on the beach and they're like, "Whoa, it looks like you guys have really been through." And he's like, "Yeah, we just got thrown out of a plane and hit by a car." And then he's like, "Huh, I did that once." And it's just like, that is such a cheesy, stupid line that doesn't make sense. I, and I was just thinking about this today. A better line would have been like, oh, that sounds like something from a video game. Like, I think that would have been a funner nod. And it would make more sense than like this weird middle-aged guy on the beach being like, oh, that happened to me once too. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. If you would have said that would have made it for a fun video game or sounds like a video game, that would have been just as good a nod and would have worked better. It's just like, hey. Uh um you got anything else yeah one last thing um i don't know if you guys have mentioned it yet i should have mentioned it a couple weeks ago uh nathan fielder felder i always forget his fucking oh, name I, I, i'm taking credit for reminding you of this at least today when i brought it up well in, i mean uh, i've been i've been watching it ever mm -hmm. since it came out and i, I mean because i'm a big fan of nathan for you um the rehearsal came out for uh on hbo max have you watched any of it yet bob i only know i, I saw an ad <laughs> oh i was like i was like my thing went to like sleep Mm. And it shows you ads. It showed me one of those. Oh, and sure. I was like, oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, Nathan for you was a really fun concept where he's basically just going to businesses and like pitching kind of like crazy ideas to get more business or swindle people or whatever. So like he has a weird mind for kind of thinking up these kind of unique ideas. Seconded by just finding the kind of most oddball people that are willing to be on camera and do this reality show. And the rehearsal's whole, whole concept is basically he asked people out there in the world if there was like certain events or certain things that they were kind of afraid to attempt or to talk about that they wanted someone to like help them with. 
And basically the rehearsal is all about he's going to basically recreate the scenario that you're trying to play out or whatever. And they're going to run through it a bunch of times with actors in a in a set that looks identical to, you know, the set that you'll be in when you try to perform this, you know, real life event. And we're going to play out all the scenarios. You're going to rehearse it so that you're fully prepared for all the different scenarios that could happen in that situation. And the show itself has really kind of taken some turns where the first episode was very much grounded in this idea. It was just this guy wanted to tell one of his trivia teammates that he kind of fibbed on his education. He didn't have a master's degree where everyone else on the team did. And he's been kind of hiding that for 10 years. And, you know, he was worried about the reactions of one certain person. So they kind of play out this whole thing. I mean, and it goes really in depth. And I think that's kind of, Nathan's style is to not only just have like this kind of interesting idea, but to really dig into the bones of it and the concept and the idea and play out all the different scenarios, really kind of un, you know, turn over every rock to kind of figure out all the different things this this could play out. And I think what's been interesting is the show has kind of changed. In episode two, there's a bigger, longer arc where he's trying to help this woman figure out if she wants to have and raise a child. And this is going to take multiple episodes you find out after the end of the second episode like oh this isn't done it's only just begun he gets more involved in it and then the future episodes have him involved in this one bigger kind of rehearsal he's doing with this woman and then doing these little side things and how these stories kind of like entwine and just watching i mean there's only been four episodes and this just in this last four episode fourth episode he was like, you know, something that happened that first episode that we didn't get right was like the emotional gravitas of like the actors and the different, you know, emotions that went into that and like how he can get better at that and how that is playing out to him teaching these other actors and getting into the role of being someone. It's, it, it's a very interesting concept. And at the same time, I think being very funny, uh, but also very cringy. I think a lot of because I watch this with Christine, who really doesn't like kind of like cringe humor stuff. And I think. There's a lot of it with some of these people that get on the show are kind of weird and out there and kind of say and do and act in certain ways that kind of are like, that's kind of weird. And then Nathan does this really good thing and he did it on, you know, Nathan for you where he kind of plays off of it. So when they say something kind of weird or crazy, he kind of quite like, why, why do you think that? Like, why do you think Halloween's all about Satanism? And it's like, Oh, like, Nathan, you're so like, you don't know anything. And then like he reads up on it, it's like, oh, it's actually comes, you know, he, he plays off these kind of like oddball characters in a real authentic, real way that I honestly, I find very humorous. I think the show is very funny. Um, and while, while at the same time, not kind of like making fun of these kind of out there people, but just questioning like, why, why do you feel the way you do? Why do you see the world in the, in the way that you do? Uh, and kind of questioning that, but not really like, poking fun or making like just being like oh this person is cuckoo crazy you know just kind of being like why do you feel that way why do you think this way and he tries to really empathize and understand that whereas i think a lot of people are just like this person's just kind of nuts you know there's kind of a kind of a weirdo or whatever but it, there's a lot of interesting aspects going into play to that so I, I really encourage if you ever seen nathan for you and like that style of humor the rehearsal is really out there and really fun um we never talked about Nope on this podcast, by the way. Oh, like you see, I yeah. haven't watched it. Good lord, um, Mark said uh, brother uh, sister dynamic, and I remember watching Nope thinking that it was you don't see brother sister dynamic as much as the other 
sibling dynamics in, in movies and TV shows. Mm. And I don't know. I've always noticed that. And I think it's, I also legitimately think it's because they're like, oh, we get a man and a woman. We can half-ass a love story in the middle of this shit too. You know what I mean? They can <laughs> just, ex- you know what I mean? I don't know. I, that was an interesting part of Nope too. And by the way, I'm not going to, we're not, you know, this, this podcast keeps receipts. And last week I was mocked. Yes. Mocked by Lavender yes. Gooms. Okay. For my power wash simulator game that I play. Okay. I, Mike, I did. on Friday, yeah. what did we spend like three hours doing? We, uh, we spent a fair amount of time, uh, cleaning a playground. Then we yes. cleaned a car, I think a golf cart, as possibly well. a haunted house. Possibly <laughs> that house was definitely haunted. It was the um, house from the Kill a Mockingbird, is my working theory. I, I uh, did, I did. After all of the stuff we likes were finished, I did want to offer a mea culpa yeah. to Bobby because after he said, because it's 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 a ridiculous game. All right. Yeah. I still posit it is a stupid ass concept for a game, but for twenty five dollars, I'll buy almost anything. All right. Like you could tell me Osama bin Laden, like you know, developed the game. Twenty five bucks, fuck it, I'll give it a shot. I'll take a flyer on it. Mike immediately went to funding terrorism. <laughs> but go ahead, buddy. I mean, maybe he's got a good concept for the game. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. But with that said, it's. I mean, the game is literally what it sounds like. You're just using a a pressure washer. To clean shit, but as Bobby noted to me when we were playing on Friday, it's just something very soothing about about the game. About dude, there was your- like five ten minute stretches where we didn't say a word to each other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's a very enjoyable game. I actually played some more uh, the next day, and I did enough to unlock the heavy duty washer. So okay. what's up? I've got the big boys. Yeah, because I spent half the time fixing the your game. I spent yeah, half the so, time cleaning your shit. You're gonna welcome. So to I, I still gotta, I still gotta play with you to get you to, to, to you know the things you need to do. Uh, yeah. So I'm very sob- sorry, Bobby. The game is amazing. Penelope Pussycat. Um, she's the and, one uh, that Pepe Le Pew is always going after. Marcus, did this game? I know you don't have it, but like, did this game like just come out? Because this is like other this podcast I listen to, totally unrelated to this, and this half at, like not even about video games. And one of them just goes. Yeah, I was playing Power Wash Simulator yesterday. I'm like, is this a thing? Like, is this new or is it a thing? What's going on? <laughs> it was in early access for a long time. And I think just recently came to like be fully released. Like they're basically like, oh, we're done with beta or whatever. It's it's fully out there. But it's been a game that's been around. And yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of yeah. They can of- DLC. They can DLC so much <laughs> if they wanted to. Just oh, hey, yeah, ten new fucking levels. You want to Power Wash the White House? Here you go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of games kind of like, these are like job sim games. And they're very, I mean, before this, there was one that's like a house flipping game where you're basically just cleaning, you you buy really old, disgusting houses and you're just picking up trash and kind of doing the same thing. You're painting the walls and refurnishing the house to resell it. And you kind of just do that. And that was a super popular game. So like, this is kind of a, a popular subgenre that is kind of like cleaning and fixing and somewhat of a job simulator where you're earning money. And like, like Mike said, you'll, you know, get a uh, an upgrade to your to your equipment and stuff like that. There's a good you know progression tree there, but it is I'll, and it, it's like a podcast I'll, game, right? I've never thought about I never, I never um 
forget about when I think about games like this. I always think about when we were kids and Stefan went to Japan for a month or something. Mm-hmm. Ballpark. I don't remember what the reasoning was. I think it was some exchange thing. Yeah. And you asked him to bring back a game where the entire premise I, is I didn't. following. Or you didn't I didn't ask even him? ask him to get it. I. Uh, he Tokyo just knew you that well. <laughs> yeah, Tokyo Bus Driver was a game that I was always interested in because the arcade machine actually had the wheel, like a the bus wheel. It's not as big as like a big rig. It's kind of it's a little smaller than that, but it's bigger. And that's what the wheel they had. Well, let's like, explain this. The premise of this game is you're a bus driver and you need to follow the schedule. Oh, <laughs> right. The schedule. <laughs> Speed limit. Staying in your lane. Yeah. Calling the stops <laughs> when you go to the stop and out of it. And you know, when I first started playing, it, it's all in Japanese. So I just start driving, not even erratically, and I'm just getting dinged points. I'm like, all right, I got to get a translation. I got to find out why I lost five points. You hit anything in that game. If there's any collision, it it's automatically game over. You know, the bus shuts down. You got to start your route all over again. So, and that's it's a very popular subject. Right, like, yeah, that uh, that type of thing. I remember thinking, like, we were kids. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Now I just I get it on every level, bro. Sure. Like, we need to sell. We need to tell people to buy this game because. I want a DLC or a sequel where I'm power washing the Eiffel Tower. Okay? That's all I want is to power wash the Eiffel Tower, Mike. I we mean, need we people have, to buy this game. We got to think about just how derelict is this town that this power wash guy is in because everything is just so fucking filthy in this town, man. Like, like so much moss, so much grease caked in dirt, like. Yeah, do they not pay taxes in this town? What the hell is going yeah, on? All I know is when I'm a homeowner, I'm going to clean all my rails regularly because right. if you have to get under there with a power washer, it's a project. All right, boys and girls. Um, just read that Juliana Pena says that Amanda Nunes won't touch her if they fought a third time. And I thought that's enough MMA talk for the day. So um, I want to thank you all for listening to the podcast this week. We're going to be back next week where we are going to preview what I think is a pay-per-view. I don't remember. Straight up. I thought it was. Um, yeah, I closed the page, but I think we're getting close. Yeah, we're we're getting there. We're going to preview a pay-per-view. Goddamn. Usman versus Edwards in Utah. Um, well, uh, until then, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. We will talk to you all next week. Peace out. See ya. Peace. A few more cats for you guys. Felicia. Some of those you could have interjected earlier, I think would have made more sense. Some of them were better than those ones you just listed. Um, we're, somehow this outro is still going. Um, go get a cat, people. There's so many of them in the shelter. Oliver Peace. and all from Oliver and Company. Peace out. <laughs>